Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Not too bad for a Wednesday night. It's been a long week, hasn't it? Sunday was a big day. Uh, it was great to see everyone in church, but also great to see Pastor EJ finally being ordained and uh, continue to pray for him down there at Fellowship and encourage him, go and help him out if you can. I'm sure he'll appreciate um, all, the, all the help and assistance. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts 9 is where we'll be tonight. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I love reading through Acts. There's so many wonderful stories about the first, the early church, that we can learn things that are relevant for us today. It's the same God that we see there in the book of Acts. is, is the same God that we worship, trust and believe can do amazing things today. And so it's, it's just amazing to read these stories about the, the, um, the church and, and the members, the faithful members. And I want us to draw, I want to draw our attention tonight to this man named Ananias. Now, when you think or when the average person would probably think of Ananias, probably the story in Acts chapter 5 comes up with Ananias and Sapphira and the way that the Lord dealt uh, with sin in the church there. But this uh, gentleman is not to be confused with that Ananias here in Acts chapter 9, nor is he to be confused with Ananias who was the high priest there in Acts chapter 24. There are actually three, believe it or not, three Ananiases just in this um, short book of Acts. And tonight I want us to focus in on this character of the Bible who is probably not that well known. I haven't heard many messages on him Myself, but after reading his story and uh, his faith in God, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about it. I actually preached this message down at church a couple of weeks ago in the, um, the context of missions, and it also fits in uh, with that theme and faith and praying in faith uh, and living by faith as well. What I think we should do is read Acts chapter 9 and verse... 10 to 18, and it says this, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight. And um, if you were to go home and Google that street, straight, it's still a street in Damascus, you could go and visit it, probably not right at this very moment, but when things Lord willing, um, get better and we can go back to Israel and take tours there again. You can go, uh, well, Damascus is actually in Syria, but you can go to that street called Straight. Um, but even if you go home and Google it, you can see photos of exactly what that street looked like. And so God gives Ananias these um, clear instructions there to go and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this evening and we thank you for the time that we have together. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to see 
the faith of this man, Ananias, and that it would be an encouragement and a blessing to us, Lord, as we consider his life and uh, what he did for you. We commit tonight to you in Christ's name. Amen. The context of what's going on here is very important. We all know about Paul, or earlier on in the book of Acts, he's referred to as Saul. He kind of comes on the scene at the end of chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, is where uh, the, one of the first deacons, Stephen, has, has been stoned and he uh, calls for forgiveness for those that were stoning him. And there, at that point in time, uh, Saul, who is later known as Paul, was standing there and observing what was going on. Uh, he wasn't there at that point in time with sympathy in his heart toward what had happened to Stephen. In fact, uh, what had what the stoning that, that occurs and happens to Stephen fuels him to go out there in chapter 8 and uh, start to persecute the church there at Jerusalem even more intensely than they were being persecuted before. So he intensifies his efforts. And there in verse 3, it tells us that he made havoc of the church entering into every house and uh, having men and women committed them to prison. So he takes men and women, he takes believers, people that believed in Jesus Christ, people that were faithful in their gospel witness, people that, Christians that were living by faith, he takes them and he commits them to prison. And so (laughs) you'll notice there in verse 4 of chapter 8 that the people are scattered, the early church is scattered, And God does use sometimes calamities. He sometimes uses difficulties in our lives to achieve his his purpose. And he tells us in Romans 8, 28, that he works all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so he uses this persecution through Saul to achieve his purpose of getting the disciples to go and preach the gospel all over the place, like they were commanded to in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so they get scattered by this persecution and then the book of Acts focuses in on this uh, disciple named Philip. Now he goes uh, north into Samaria and uh, we read a little bit about in Acts chapter 8 about his missions endeavours there. And then he heads down towards Gaza and he has that famous interaction with the Ethiopian eunuch and there uh, in verse 35 he opens his mouth, he preached the, the scripture to that man and the man then asks the Ethiopian eunuch says, you know, here's water, what, what hinders me to be baptised? And in our King James, and so is rightly translated and received, we have verse 37, which some Bible versions don't have, where Philip says, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And notice this in verse 37, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. A very important verse. And and so that, for us, is one of the very important passages when, we, when someone comes and wants to be baptised, we need to make sure that they are first a believer, that they first understand what they've done, that they've made that profession of faith, and then we take them to be baptised. And so uh, Philip is going around doing his ministry, and then we come into chapter 9 and the Bible focuses back in on Saul, this guy Saul, who was um, causing issues for the church there at Jerusalem in chapter 8. And we see here in chapter 9 that God has a special plan, a special purpose for Saul. And so what Saul does is he's still going, doing his own thing. He's persecuting the church of God. 
And so he goes up, uh, or he goes to the high priest, rather, there in verse 1, and gets letters uh, from them, gets approval from them, arrest, perhaps an arrest warrant, if you, if you will, to go up to Damascus, because as you recall from chapter 8, the church has been dispersed and Christians have gone all over the place. And perhaps he had heard that in Damascus there were Christians residing there and indeed we know that this man Ananias is residing up there in Damascus. So he gets these letters and he gets a group of people together, a crusade if you like, to head up to Damascus which is about, when I checked it on Google Maps today, it's about uh, 270 kilometres which might be a week's travel or perhaps even more if you were going slow by foot. Obviously, it's faster now. It's about four hours by car. And so he gets this group of people and he heads up to Damascus to persecute and bring bound Christians that are serving up there and bring them back down to Jerusalem. And so it's on that journey that suddenly, as we know, the bright light appears from heaven and Christ starts to talk to uh, to Saul, and he says there in verse 4, Why persecutest thou me? And Saul, not really not knowing what is going on, he says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So he has this moment where Jesus Christ himself appears to him and tells him, What are you doing? You're kicking against the pricks. You're going against the will that I have for you. These people... They're, doing, they're simply just fulfilling the Great Commission. They're living by faith. They're, they're those believers that are, that are doing what God has asked them to do. Why are you opposing that? And notice what uh, uh, Saul's response is there in verse 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And that's, uh, you know, when God comes and knocks on our door, when God puts his finger on something in our life and asks us to do something, that is the appropriate response, is it not? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And that's what Saul said when Christ confronted him and told him that he had a plan for him. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him, this is in chapter 9, verse 7, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. He was blind. And so these people, they lead him by hand into Damascus and he's there in a house. And verse 9 tells us that he was three days without sight. And during that time, he did not eat or drink. And that's where this man Ananias comes onto the scene. He comes onto the scene in the context of Saul heading up to Damascus to, to take Christians, to bring them back as prisoners to Jerusalem to persecute them. And God stops him, Jesus stops him, and says that he has a plan for him. Well, that plan, Ananias is going to be a part of that plan that God has for him. And that's where we see him come onto the scene here in verse 10. And uh, again, Ananias, similar to, to Saul earlier in the chapter, when the Lord knocks on his door, when the Lord appears to him in a vision, he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And that is the appropriate response. Again, Lord, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Do what you want to do with me. And then, then the Lord gives him very specific instructions. He tells him, go to the street, which is straight. Inquire of the house of Judas. So not only the street, but the particular house. 
And then he also tells him to call for Saul. So he gives him a name, where Saul is from, and what Saul will be doing. So it's a very specific instruction that God gives to this man named Ananias. And God tells also Ananias about the vision that he has given Saul about what God is going to do through him. But notice what Ananias says there in verse 13, and we did read it. He said, Lord, just, just wait up a minute. Just, this, is, this is crazy, right? We all know as Christians what's going on with this Saul guy. We heard what happened with Stephen, how he was stoned, and how now Saul is down leading the, the efforts against the church uh, down there in Jerusalem. We, we know what's going on, and, and this guy's our enemy. Lord, you couldn't possibly want me to go to him. No, just do, do you know? And, and he says here, Lord, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints of Jerusalem. Like, Lord, just I, I just need to let you know, you've, you've got this plan for me, um, but there's probably some things you haven't quite considered yet, Lord. This guy is not our friend. <laughs> and the Lord says to him there in verse 15, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so God repeats the message again. This, I've got a plan for this guy, and I want you to be a part of that plan. And, and many people will come to Christ through him, and he will do some great things. And so at this point in time, Ananias is faced with a decision. God has asked him to do something which, humanly speaking, is uncomfortable or perhaps even would have made him fear, tremble inside. He understood through the grapevine what was going on. He knew because he told the Lord, this is what he's doing to, to believers like me. And so he's faced with this choice. And then we read in verse 17 that Ananias went his way and entered into the house he knew where to go, the Lord had told him. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Isn't that amazing? You know, if, if I was sent on a, on a task like this, I probably wouldn't just go straight into the house and say, Brother Saul. Like that, that people know that believers, that was the way that they referred to each other, right? Christ had set that precedent earlier in the Gospels where we would you know, we would call each other brother and sister in Christ and it was common practice in the book of Acts. And so Ananias goes straight in there and he puts his hands on Saul and says, brother Saul, straight away. Now, that's an act of faith, is it not? That's, that's, that is living by faith. That is trusting Christ. You know, if, if it was I, you know, to probably go in and talk about the weather or, you know, talk about aches and pains as old people or whatever it might be, small talk, right, to, to see what was actually going on before, you know, speaking to this, to this guy about what I was coming to really talk about, right, to just see what's going on. But he doesn't, we don't read of any hesitation or anything here. We just see Ananias go in and says, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, whew, he's gone now. If, Saul, if Saul's looking for Christians... One's just walked right in. He literally just has to get his guys to lock him up and take him away. They don't even need to find him. 
Then, and so he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hast sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And notice there, verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And the Lord does a mighty work. And we know if we continue to read on through the book of Acts, the the Holy Spirit has chosen to focus in on Saul's life and he ends up writing a, a large portion of the New Testament and the gospel goes through the entire throughout the entire world through his many missionary endeavours. And yet God uses this man named Ananias because he trusted in God. He had faith in God and, and that's what I really want to emphasise tonight that when God asks us to do something uncomfortable and, and be assured he will ask you in your Christian life to do things that are uncomfortable. At that point in time, we are faced with a choice. Will we trust God or will we not? Well, Ananias, he trusted God, right? He took God at his word. Yes, he had some doubts initially, but the reality was that he went right in there. He went right into Saul trusting that God would keep his word, that God knew what was going on. Are we like that in our lives? When we're faced with difficult situations or uncomfortable circumstances or whatever it might be that God has asked us to do, do we, do we run away in fear or, or are we faithless? Well, I must say that God has not, to us as believers, given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us... Uh, power and love and of a sound mind, as we read about there in 2 Timothy. He wants us to live victoriously. He doesn't want us to live in fear. And you know, sometimes when we see what's going on around us and, and what's going on in society and, and all across the world, it, it sometimes makes us fear. It makes us uncomfortable. But we need to trust God. And I, I'm reminded of that story in Matthew chapter 14, where the disciples are crossing the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and, and a great storm comes up and, and they think they're going to sink and Christ then comes walking to them on the water and he asks Peter to come to him on the water. He says, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat and miraculously Peter starts to walk on the water. But then we read that when he looked around and he got his eyes off Christ, he saw the wind and the waves and all that was going on around him and then he started to sink. And it was only when he reached out to Christ that he was saved and Christ grabbed him and stopped him from perishing. And so too it is in our lives that God, we can trust him, we can rely on him, he keeps his word and he's true. But if we get our eyes off him, if we, if we start focusing on what's going on around us, we certainly will sink. And Ananias would have sunk were it not for him trusting in Christ. You know, it also reminds me of another story there, as I conclude in Luke chapter 9, about people that said that they were going to follow Christ. There were three people specifically that came to Christ and said, we'll follow you, or Lord, we want to follow you, or variations of that. 
And Christ had to put the record straight that, that following him always wasn't going to be the easiest thing to do. And we know that those that live godly in Christ Jesus self shall suffer persecution. It's part and parcel of the righteous Christian life. It's, it's, it's a part of living for Christ in a fallen world. And so Christ had to tell these guys that wanted to follow him that there were going to be some uncomfortable moments. And one of those things was physical, uh, a lack of physical comfort. He said literally that you won't have a place to lay your head if you follow me. There are times where the Son of Man does not have a place to call home. He'll sleep under trees, out in the field, whatever it might be. And so he lays it, lays it down. I'm not, not going to hide anything from you guys. It's going to be hard. And then somebody else comes to him and he talks about, uh, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. And Christ says, well, let the dead bury the dead. In, in other words, you're, you're going to miss some significant family events if you follow Christ. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be some sacrifices that you will have to make. And then he talks about also this guy that said that he wanted to go and bid his family farewell before he came and started following Christ and, and everything that would go on with that, festivities and goodbyes and farewells. And Christ, at the end of all of this, he says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. No man, having put his hand to the plough and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants of us as believers, to not look back, but to press on, to move forward by faith. And that's exactly what Ananias did in our passage. He moved forward by faith, he trusted in God. And you know, you've probably seen the, the illustration before about having faith in Christ is uh, somewhat similar to sitting in a chair. You know, you don't go down when you, when you walked into church today, you don't go and ask to see who, invent, like, who put that chair together, who was the expert engineer that, that designed this chair, is it, is it stable? You just sat down. You have that faith and trust that, that that pew is going to hold you up. And so too it was with Ananias. He trusted God and it was evidenced in his actions by going in there and doing what God had wanted him to do. And so that reminds me of Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without this faith, without faith, it is impossible. You cannot please God without faith. And sometimes that's going to require us to do some things that make us feel uncomfortable, things that make us feel fearful. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us his spirit. He's given us the means. He's given us fellow believers to encourage us on the walk, as we go through those difficult situations and circumstances, he's given us so much. And so he, Ananias trusts God and he overcomes any fears that he may have had. He overcame that uncomfortable situation by faith, by faith. So will we trust God? That's the takeaway for tonight. Will we trust him? Because he has our best interests at heart. And he works all things together for good, like he's promised. So let's pray, and then we'll move on with the service. Lord, thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. 
We thank you for this faithful servant of Christ, Ananias, and the great encouragement that he is to us tonight, Lord. We thank you for his unwavering faith and the great example that that is to us, Lord. Help us to follow that example and to put these things into practice in our lives, Lord. I'm not saying that it's easy, but Lord, we know that it's right and you cannot be pleased otherwise. So we thank you for tonight, Lord, and pray that you would bless us, move amongst us, Lord. Help us to pray by faith tonight, Lord, believing that you do answer prayer and that you do that which is right according to your will. We thank you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.